Welcome to The Danger Room, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast focused on helping you prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy, tips, tricks, and things that you should be considering to level up your gameplay. Don't forget to join us on our free Discord, or if you feel so inclined to become a Patreon, as we discuss MCP on a daily basis. The links will be in the description. On the podcast, regular members include Dizzard, Jacob, Mike, and Sploosh. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Danger Room. And this one, we're just going to go ahead and give Mike a congratulations because he's actually here for winning LVO. So congrats to Mike. Hey, thank you. 2022. 2022. LVO 2022. Someone might listen to this in two years and be like, what LVO? (laughs) (laughs) All the LVOs. You have a reputation to uphold now. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, So Jacob's not here on this one. So we're going to go ahead and break down the Xavier Protocol segment. And this is going to be some quick stats over LVO. Um, So let's let's talk real quick. LVO stats. Uh, I went through and added it all up. So I might be a little bit off because I'm bad at counting and math. But basically what I got was out of all the rounds so like heat one heat two and the finals 53 percent was multiple affiliation lists and 47 percent were mono affiliation lists um i think it's that's pretty even in my opinion like it's with what 162 lists i think it was um for being that split i think that's pretty talkative or whatever you want to say back to our episode when we were talking mono versus multiple it's pretty torn um in my opinion i don't know what you guys think about that did he tell you? Like, because I found apparently there was way more reported Avengers players than was reality. Oh, uh, really? Like, for example, Hulkbuster was considered Avengers. And uh, I I went off of what people said that they were yeah. um, saying they were going to play because I just had to go through and count. No, because... no, players were maybe. So this is the weirdness of uh, the the program which longshanks yeah it's like i think felt some people felt obligated to put anything they could play i know for sure at least a couple players are talking about it to me like saying oh yeah like i put in i like oh yeah i asked the guy i was like you're playing avengers and he goes well i just had to put it down because like longshanks asks you any possibility you know like i think even yeah. at one point i put unaffiliated because like in theory all of us could play unaffiliated you know yeah, so that's what happens when you register on Longshanks. It asks for three, up to three affiliations, and I just think people weren't familiar with the system. Basically, you could just leave that entire section blank, and then when you report your games, you, it'll take your affiliation, and then it will yeah. mark the data correctly. Well, that's fair. I Yeah, I, I, I'm not really putting much stake behind these numbers. I, just did, I do think it's interesting, though, that it's like at least somewhat close for even if it's not completely accurate. Yeah, I'm betting it's actually something like 60 to 65 well no oh that's the multiple oh my god yeah no it, it's definitely so monos you said 47 percent. yeah yeah i would add like five to ten percent to that and then okay yeah because like oh the guy i was playing against he was playing midnight suns and like it looked to me like 100 percent midnight suns but he yeah. had like avengers in there so like <laughs> i don't know at least five to ten percent more so probably mono was actually more like 55 percent which is still relatively the same, but, um, and that's without me like putting too much effort, but just my experience from being there. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people are mono affiliation, or at least more than what the stats say. 
Fair enough. Oh, well, yeah. this one's a little bit more accurate because I actually went through and counted it and then counted it again and then counted it again. Um, but this <laughs> one, I went through and counted all the games. I had them up across all three of the days. And it is. it came up with a 44% win rate if you had Pryo and a 56% win rate if you did not have Pryo. And I think this is actually more interesting um and it's actually more accurate because i went through and only counted the games that were actually played i didn't count the games that were like buys or anything like that so just the games that were played um 44 win with prio then 56 percent win without what's your win rate mike with prio oh it's, yeah, <laughs> it's absurd um just so yes Oh, like in general or at the event? Yeah, actual. Like I can tell you right now, my prior win rate was 100. percent Yeah, I, mean, I, I lost... played a lot less games than you did. So, <laughs> yeah, so I went 10 2 overall at LVO. One of my lo- one loss was with prior. One loss was without. My one loss with prior was my very first game, and it basically is just me not piloting Black Order correctly. Uh, it has nothing yeah. to do with priority. Um, okay. So, uh, I mean, honestly, like. <laughs> My list is so wants prior so badly. I I think it's just people not building their lists to the best that they can to where they're flexible at every threat and they care more about what crises is played versus what threat is played. Uh, it's just people thinking in the old world still. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I definitely. I mean, I was playing Syndicate and I definitely Syndicate infamously wants to play what they want to play. And, uh, you know, they're really good when they're really good and they're not so good when they're having issues or the, you know, the objectives doesn't. So like, for example, so, demon scares the crap out of me, yeah. you know? So um, Mike and I were talking a little bit before you, uh, came in and we think it more comes down to really just depending on what affiliation you're playing of what you prefer. Cause like me as playing X-Force, right. I think that I actually prefer to be having non-prio is more beneficial to me because I don't necessarily care which scenario it is as much as I do what the point value is. Um, that is more important to me. And then being able to set the terrain up in a way that Cable is going to have like two range, two size fours, like on his side of the table versus my opponent, like it definitely becomes more beneficial in that aspect. So I think it really comes down to like what affiliation you're planning as to what benefits you more. Yeah, I think it also is because Doug and I are playing uh very polarizing crises for most people like yeah my list really wants to play map d secures and i have like the two best affiliations for that shape and most affiliations if not all are just worse than me on it um so that's kind of why i feel the way i do but i guess if you play something like avengers you're f- fairly flexible and you probably don't care yeah as much. i don't know i think all the objectives are kind of polarizing like scrolls yeah, are. is like not great for me because it's just like too slow kind of thing. Um, and like, so I, I think it just comes down to like an attrition list versus like more of a controlling list. And maybe the attrition list don't like actually want to lose prior because they can choose threat, which maybe helps them with their objective of killing people. And probably both sides of their objectives, if chosen correctly, are both sort of proactive, you know, proactively attrition you know so and then also this is kind of a spoiler into our main topic and and things we talk about but i felt like there was more sort of attrition sort of smash roll dice rosters at lvo than i originally expected and if you're like in a way that all that makes games mirror matches like if you're playing like brotherhood versus midnight suns you're kind of the same thing you're just different characters you know yeah 
So then wouldn't that make objectives sort of... In theory, it would make the objectives very similar, I think. Yeah. Um, You know. Do you agree with that, Mike? Yeah, it's the same reason why I, like, don't like playing attrition lists that much. Um, I just... I like to be able to, you know, have agency in my games. And if I'm just yeah. like running characters down the middle and hoping to be more efficient at murdering, uh, it's just not I for mean, me. It really <laughs> just comes down to who has better dice at that point, like in all reality. Right. And that's why I suspect we saw like that guy, I think I believe his name was Christian. He was playing Black Dwarf with Midnight mm-hmm. Suns. And in a meta where all of everyone is running down the middle and killing each other, Black Dwarf is pretty sweet in that situation, yeah. right? So yeah, he's like serious value, right? Because you're yeah. getting a lot of things for a very cheap price. Yes, like size three throws and I mean, Black Dwarf is like a five threat character, but he's just slow. Yeah, <laughs> so and, that's and, why he comes. Yeah, in and if everyone's smashing like what map E and C, then like yeah, he's probably fine. <laughs> uh, and you add in intrusions, gives him a teleport. Like yeah, I could see it. I really could. Um. But anyway, yeah, that's about all I have to say on that topic. <laughs> um, right, one last thing that I want to say, and I'm going to ask Felicia this because I already told Mike what it was. Um, what do you think was the most played threat value, if you had to take one guess? Hmm. I want to say 20 for some reason, but that can't be right. Uh, 17 it could be 14. long landslide. Yeah, it, I feel like it's either 20 or 14, but I think it has to be 14 because 20 gets played. Like randomly, no, it is twenty. It is seventeen by a landslide. Let's see, wait, out of what was it, one hundred and sixty-two games? Wait, wait, did you say most played or least? Most played, most played. Oh, oh, sorry, I was thinking least played. Do you know least oh. played? Uh, least played is so far fourteen. Uh, yeah, fourteen. 14, yeah, fourteen 16. makes sense because I think twenty is probably second place though. Because like twenty is one of those things where like you kind of consciously have to want that. Uh, so 14, I think it's from lowest to highest, it'd be 14, 16, 20, um, 15, 18, 19, Really, 16 was low? Yeah. Yeah, so I think that has to do with, um, look at the crises that are 16. Both secures are niche for most people. Yeah. Um, Cosmic Evasion wasn't played very much. That's true. And no, no Fisk one plays is Fisk. not played a lot either. Even, yeah, even Syndicate doesn't like Fisk anymore. Yeah, so that just leaves you with Research Station. And, um, yeah, we probably, all know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. I did 16... play 16 once in, in the event, but I'm just one person out of many games. Yeah, so 16 got played 11 times in total out of what this is saying. Yeah, oh. a couple sorry, of sorry, 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 13, 13 times. Um, 17 got played 31, uh, 58, jeez, uh, 60, 64 times for 17. Yeah. You definitely want to be strong at 17. I mean, the three box challenge is like super to the extreme, but, uh, you know, a lot of the objectives played in the three box challenge are still played in competitive MCP. That's kind of interesting though. Yeah, I mean, I also think it's because a lot of the core box crises are relatively neutral or less polarizing. Um, yeah. So you see those come in a lot. I was surprised to see a lot of uh, cubes. I played cubes so many times, and it wasn't. I don't. I don't. I'm not running it, so it's my opponent's. Jeez, um, that was very. Uh, that was surprising to me. People love cubes. They really do. 
Well, it's funny because Q's out of over all three events, Q's was only played twenty times. So that's like out of one hundred and sixty games, only twenty times. So that's just you. Interesting. <laughs> Actually, yeah, funny I... enough, we played Cubes, Mike. Um, yeah, I had at least four or five games on Cubes. It felt like. So people, some people probably don't know that um, I went four zero um, on my day. Whatever it's day one for me, but day two for Mike, <laughs> and then um, yeah, it was the then, Saturday the, event. Yeah, and then the cut, Mike and I rolled into each other in the top 16 which really sucks when you I mean we both travel but you know we're now co-hosts on this podcast and, and friends or whatever but and roommates even for that weekend yeah. and uh then to play into each other and the first game of cut was kind of unsettling it wasn't great but the only positive was i knew someone from this uh podcast would make top eight so that was cool uh and yep. then of course <laughs> mike ends up winning so yay um but yeah like so and then cubes was my least favorite that i brought and of course that's what gets pulled when i lose prio to mike and uh yeah ended up losing yeah i have a really good list if my opponent plays cubes into me so i think i won all those games <laughs> that's great i should have won i think well i should have had a chance to win if i brought advanced rnd and i and i did not which was really sad <laughs> Fair enough. I think that's going to wrap it up for the statistics from the weekend. Um, it's pretty pretty simple, pretty interesting. I, I think the priority one, the win rate priority, is probably the most interesting one to look at. Um, and then the fact that 17 is definitely, like by a landslide, the most taken threat value. So just people going into like Season 7 TTS League or your events, uh, definitely make sure you have a good 17, I would say. All right. All right, so um, on to this week's hot takes. We're going to talk about the new affiliation list and the quick quick, quick little take on Sam and uh, BNR update. So first things first, the easy ones. BNR update, Dune Prophecy lost its restricted status and is now Asgard non-restricted. Um, I think this helps Asgard a lot, actually, because they could use it to a lot of effectiveness and most of the people have four physical defense. So I think it's pretty good for them. Yeah, so a lot, yeah, like you said, they have a lot of physical defense. Asgard's known for being very dicey. So if you just give them more dice, it should up your consistency. And Valkyrie is probably the best Doom Prophecy model in the game. So, yeah, we found that out uh, when playing Dormammu. Yep. Yeah. So I think people are might have been sleeping on it, but because uh, I know a lot of people were like, when is Doom Prophecy good on any Asgard character? I'm just like, guys, play it with Valkyrie. <laughs> Yeah. yeah it's a good time if you do if you, you want to have ideally at least five powers you could do doom prophecy warrior of legend and no strike and i think mike if i'm going off my memory here but i think we found it was something like four to eight hits on average it was better than zemo getting doom prophecy yeah, zemo with master was swordsman like, yeah i think zemo came out to like the bottom was three hits per roll but Valkyrie was four or higher, which which surprised me, honestly. I didn't expect that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, she's got a better low end than Zemo and really a better high end. <laughs> she was just all things better than Zemo. Um, but yeah, and then I don't, I'm definitely not, like if there's anything I'm ignorant on in this game, it's kind of Asgard. For whatever reason, I just avoid them. Uh, they feel dicey to me and I know you can play them more controlling. But am I correct in saying they can kind of go like four wide or maybe even 
I don't know about three, probably three wide at like 14 or something threat, but. Yeah, um, it kind of depends on the crises. I mean, I played Asgard in the past and uh, Asgard, I know people are like, oh, Asgard's good. Just play them like control, like just run around and throw people with Thor and hammer throw and like never build her. But it's like, I have done that. And Thor's power economy when you're spamming hammer throws is awful. And at some point he has to go in and start doing work. And that's when the diciness comes in. Mm. So as Sooner says, you know, you either get Fat Thor or you get God Slayer Thor. <laughs> true, and he would know. Yep. Uh, Thor has done him dirty a few times. Yeah. Um, but I guess my point is, like, even if you go, like, four wide into a five, that's pretty decent for Doom Prophecy because you might be able to hold Pryo for that, like, big turn. Um, you also have maybe... Angela and Enchantress in affiliation, and they are awesome at playing Follow Me. Yes, which is a great card for that kind of stuff <laughs> um but yeah i don't know if i just to be clear you have to put use it on an asgard character it's not just affiliated Correct. asgard right yeah it has to be asgard character i okay, just yeah i just want to clarify that for myself actually but yeah, yeah i don't know it's, it's a boon for them i don't know how much as i think asgard is gonna like always be like a dual affiliation team and maybe that's like another tax with bringing them it's you have to you know like bring that card too well, they just need more yeah. characters like there's yeah. there's tons of characters in the lore that could be Asgard down the line, and they still <laughs> haven't gotten a release in what like a year. Angela and Chantress were like last January. Yeah, they're in January, and technically they're even earlier in Europe. Like remember they're like four months yeah. even earlier than that, but like there was some kind of weird shipping issue. Um, so I could see them getting more characters and being a mono affiliation, but at the moment they're not there. Yeah. Oh, we could hit Sam real quick. So yeah, so go ahead. yeah, Sam basically fixed to where <laughs> fixed. Um, his leadership is changed to where it doesn't get affected by grunts. I believe it says specifically, and then enemy it has to be in enemy effects. So you can't just start killing your own people to get the leadership, or bleed, or um, like crisis damage. Effects. Yeah, it has to be in. Bob enemy can't kill now. himself. Yep, uh, which is. Yeah great i think it's a great addition to his rule because people were able to abuse it way too much and it's already an oppressive leadership with how how game-changing it can be yeah it would have been nice with the all you got era to have this have this ruling yeah. but better late than never i guess yeah i'm um, surprised it took this long for an errata like this to come out this seems like a no-brainer from day one like the all you've got stuff was ridiculous and not to mention just like, oh, my character dies to cubes. Let me just do all this cool stuff. And it was just so over the top. Mm. So Also, uh, I think Doom Prophecy, at you, back when it, you could use it. And the other one was uh, beaming your own characters. You can't do that either. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Dying to gamma damage. Gone. Cubes. Uh, mute madman traps. There's a lot. Yeah, enemy... Hold on, enemy effects, does that count for tactics cards? Because aren't tactics cards some weird thing where they're like... If they're your opponent's tactics cards, yes. Yeah, that counts? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is still an enemy effect. So if you did like something like Cruelty or... Um, oh, what's, what would be a good one that's like actually not from a character? I was thinking I'm, like I mean, uh, even... the, the traps. The traps are the other thing that's... Okay, so so that one's actually kind of interesting. Um, that's actually kind of good to talk about, to be completely honest. I ran into this the other day. Um, Sinister traps. 
because it's not coming from a character, so it's still an enemy effect, so it still pops Sam's thing, so because they're still getting damage from an enemy effect. However, things like Honey Badger and 23's Big Sis, Little Sis, they don't get to trigger it off of that because it's not coming from a character. Yeah. Just uh, so interesting. Just, okay. Yeah. <laughs> came came across wording. that the other day. Yeah. Um, I just thought that'd be interesting to say real quick, just because you brought that up, and I was like, that happened to me the other day, and it's super annoying because I, you, it, when you read the card, it says, uh, "Enemy effects." You think, "Cool, I can get my move off of this," but then it says you advance towards the character that did damage. There's no character that did damage, so you can't advance uh, towards anybody. Okay. So yeah, I learn something new every day. Yeah. So don't let if you are playing spider foes, don't let somebody think they can get a, a move off of twenty three or badger off of your sinister traps. Cool. Yeah. All right, uh, on to the fun talk, though. Um, what do you guys think with this affiliation update, the winners and the losers? Like, who do you think benefited the most? Uh, oh, it's it got to be, be Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we agree. <laughs> Brotherhood stocks are up. I mean, Brotherhood came away the winners from another yet another X-Men wave. Uh, yeah, it's go figure. <laughs> X-Men almost doubles in size. Brotherhood still comes out on top. <laughs> yep. <laughs> They got much larger too, kind of, right? And and then there was characters like Sabretooth, which were like shaky members anyway. Um, I mean, Brotherhood got four characters this wave, which I think yeah, is I the same as X-Men. Well, no, because of a 23 no. Badger. Yeah, X-Men doubled in size if you don't count Cyclops as a character. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think Brotherhood didn't have that many members, so I, I'm tempted to say they also doubled. I mean, if you want to count Juggernaut as an ad because he's being released, that that's fair. And then, what is that? Rogue, Gambit? I believe they had six characters and then they gained four. So almost. Yeah, yeah. It's really close. Um, so that's pretty good for them. The Gambit the thing great. is a huge shocker to me. As like a Gambit fan, yeah. to be quite honest with you, it makes no sense to me because if you're going to go like he's a criminal road, then like Syndicate kind of makes more sense or even Cabal because... For some reason, Sinister is a Cabal member, and he and Gambit was part of the Marauders, which he should theoretically follow Sinister wherever Sinister goes. So it's a really, I would like this is definitely something. If I could talk to a developer, I'd love to just hear their thoughts on like why, what, what's going on with these affiliations. Uh, uh like, so I have, I have thoughts. I just think it's game balance because, like, if you imagine Sinister and Brotherhood, like, what's his biggest issue? Is power. Like, he wants so much power to do stuff. So you put him in Brotherhood. But I mean, the same thing can be said about Gambit. It's one of his biggest issues is power. So, like, I guess it kind of null and voids my argument. But Sinister would be actually really good in Brotherhood if you think about it. Might actually see him get taken because he wouldn't have the power issues he currently has. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I haven't tried any of this stuff. I've been so much in LVO world that all the new characters new stuff i just have not touched Uh, but it's going to be exciting i do want to try brother like they're mutants they're cool gambit's a brotherhood member now like i gotta try them uh i just i don't i can't speak from experience right now and how i feel about it all yet um it's just big big uh big gain for brotherhood who do you think Um, benefited the least well so you actually made me think of this as we're talking because I was thinking, uh, poor, poor A Force and Avengers, kind of like <laughs> they're so wealthy on characters. I kind of don't feel that bad for them, honestly. I know some people in the Discord were kind of upset about, especially the A Force thing, because they felt like Rogue and Twenty Three should be A Force members. Um, 
And then, you know, Avengers, I haven't heard so much complaining from Avengers because I think they know how wealthy they are. Um, but it is kind of weird. Uh, I think with the rogue thing, this might be an excuse for them to do like the green hood rogue, rogue yeah. and just make another rogue, which more rogue good. I- I'm happy with that. So uh, that's that's my expectation. It's kind of like when we saw Miss Marvel and they only showed the one mini. I was like, listen, man, there's going to be another mini. <laughs> like, it's kind of like obvious. And when you see Rogue not an Avenger, it just screams like they're going to make another Rogue to me personally. Yeah, they could definitely do like Uncanny Avengers Rogue, right? Where she yeah, has the it's, hood, it's like, like saying said. they're never going to make another Wolverine, like, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bummed that Rogue is not in A Force. I was really, uh, really psyched to be able to do special delivery charges. Uh, oh, sounded like geez. a good time. I mean, that's probably why she's been in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, Gwen and, and Rogue are not A-Force. It's a real bummer. Yeah. I want to say those are balanced things, but I am not speaking f- with any proof of anything I say, you know? It just makes you wonder, right? Because, like, some decisions do kind of feel like a balanced call. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I, I think She-Hulk kind of holds A-Force back, but that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, I was just not putting like Ghost Spider in a Force. It it just does seem a little odd, and and also Rogue. And I, I, the argument yeah. with Rogue though, in like the timeline, and you know they're gonna make another Rogue. I could totally see that argument, but then like yeah, I don't know. You could you honestly like it, affiliation roster just you almost shouldn't even bother trying to make sense of it because. Yeah. Anytime you make one argument, you can easily find another character that makes no sense, that breaks your argument. So it's clearly like a consistency issue, and you almost just have to forget about it and stop thinking about it because it'll drive you crazy. Yeah, yeah if you exactly. don't think about it, then you can't be upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like yeah. the you wanting Juggernaut to be CS because uh, you're a madman. Um, yes, yeah, so I was disappointed <laughs> by that. I feel like Shik either is trolling everyone um, because he was a guest on uh, the Gamer Guild's new podcast and kind of hinted heavily about Juggernaut. And then he played Juggernaut with Syndicate on stream, on their official stream. So I feel like he was dropping mega hints and then even said on stream he feels that Juggernaut is a criminal. (laughs) You know, I guess just defending his usage of Juggernaut with Syndicate, but then yeah. to not be on the affiliation list, I don't know, man. It just throws me off. Uh, <laughs> I don't think personally it would be overpowered, but I get why people feel that way. Um, oh, I would, it definitely I would, would be it. strong. Um, yeah. I think I think if Juggernaut was in Criminal Syndicate, it would launch them into that tier. Like that's that's how I feel yeah, about I it. I just think people are knee-jerk with this stuff, and I don't... Sure, he would like make them really strong on some things, but you know he costs five, and yeah, it's a, the whole thing. You know, he still yeah. dies to like dies oh, to Doomblade, as they say. Uh, like things kill him for sure. Yeah, like but, I, I've had games where I almost one shot him. Like it still happens. It doesn't matter how much health you have or how tanky you are, unless you're Hulk. You can't really one shot a Hulk. Like that's next to impossible. Uh, uh, one of my strongest Juggernaut memories is watching a Juggernaut one-shot your rogue. Yeah. Um, who was that, the Team League? That that happened uh, to you? Was, it was, yeah, yeah. I think it was, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that was glorious. And I was cheering for you, too, but I just... 
that took the breath out of me. It was just the most <laughs> crazy thing I've ever seen. Oh man. Um, but yeah, anyway, anything else to jump at you guys with affiliation? Um, I'm not going to say it, but everybody knows how I feel about this. Yeah. Case. Well, we, we, I, I don't think anything was unexpected, right? Anything like I'm, we haven't talked about that was unexpected because we know X-Men X-Force was expected, yeah. right? Well, I guess like the, the only thing that like was in debate was Honey Badger, whether she was going to go to X-Force or not. Um, I think they made the better decision because it actually helps X-Force so much. Um, I'd actually even argue that X-Force is probably the biggest winner of this affiliation list just because now they're somewhat viable because of Honey Badger. Uh, being able to have a 10th threat core instead of an 11th threat core is huge. It's a lot bigger than a lot of people give it credit for, in my opinion. So I would actually argue that X-Force was a bit the biggest winner off of this list. They might not still be the most competitive or anything like that, but I think that they are completely viable to play um, and starting to become a better team in general. You should write me, man. Colossus is in Brotherhood. What is going yes, on yeah. there? <laughs> uh, uh, someone mentioned something about how he was an acolyte or something like that. Like he, after um, magic died, I think is what they said. Uh, he went to work with Magneto for a little bit or something uh, along those lines. Um, but I, I think Colossus is best spot. He becomes a viable character in brotherhood, even though when are you going to take him over rogue? That's the argument. Um, but I could actually see Colossus doing work in brotherhood more than any other place. Is Colossus the only mutant who's in all three mutant affiliations? I think he is, right? Uh, Rogue. No, well, Rogue? Oh, no. Yeah. no, not Rogue. Rogue's She's not. my next force. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, that's weird to me. Man, Colossus gets around. <laughs> I still don't believe anyone should be playing Colossus competitively in any affiliation. I just, I get it that he'll get power in Brotherhood. Brotherhood yeah. might even... So, okay, I've heard people argue that with the X-Men jump, he can like be more offensive, but at the end yeah. of the day, it's a four threat with a five dice attack, which, you know, I guess that's better than Cable. Um, and then in Brotherhood, I guess he gets power. So maybe Brotherhood's like arguably one of his better affiliations. But like we had that big talk about how Colossus is like the most like reactive character in the game, and I, I just don't know if more power even fixes anything that he's doing. Yeah, it's just well, I, I'll, yeah. I'll say this: I think the one thing he does is he will one be able to attribute to the leadership because he's got a terrain throw, so his terrain throw is actually useful um two it's gonna keep magneto alive and that's where a lot of people i talk to who play brotherhood one of the biggest issues is magneto just runs out of power and then he'll just die um and then once he has a bad dice roll it's just terrible and it's all downhill from there so being able to give an option to keep magneto alive in affiliation is pretty good hmm. maybe maybe in like a gamma situation where things are very yeah. you know focused Maybe yeah, but then you're looking. Then you're looking at ten threat for two characters. Like that's that, that's like my issue with it is like the threat values don't make yeah. sense. Like I would just always want Rogue before I would want yeah. Colossus. Like every damn time. Completely agree. Uh, I think that's gonna cover it though. Let's go ahead and jump into the main topic of today, and we're gonna be talking about how LVO win. I know a lot of other podcasts are probably gonna be talking about this because I think everybody had representation at LVO. If I can think of i'm pretty sure everybody had representation yeah. at lvo strike um, better didn't have their mic show up he he had issues uh was it, i think was COVID farmer related there? huh farmer was, was farmer there but there? he was running x-wing he was not oh, okay, in that's Marvel. Right. yeah 
And we went to visit Farmer, which was great. And he definitely was busy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we were running a very large event and constantly having to do things. So it was really cool to say hi to him, though. Fair enough. So we're going to go ahead and talk about LVO, though. Um, our, your guys' perspective, but not mine, because I wasn't there, sadly. Uh, but let's go ahead and break, break it down about how was it, like, like just... I guess we could start from the beginning with like preparations. How did you guys prepare for LVO and what went into it? I'm All right. Go. All right. Yeah. So right when the new rules dropped, we, uh, well, so this is all kind of on the back of being burned by Sam Wilson last season. And for me at SoCal. So I was like, uh, no more am I playing uh, mid tier stuff. I'm tired of losing for that reason. And, uh, we literally just started playing everything that we thought would be good uh, after the new rules dropped. And uh, I don't know, we had lists, we spent like an entire day building lists. Like we had a criminals list. We had web warriors list. We had like Dormammu list. We had something with black order Avengers. Like it was, it was yeah, crazy. We had guardians plus black order. I think yep. was one of them, which you played in the team league. I, I played different variations of Avengers lists. We made different Avengers lists. Yep. But yeah. yeah, we uh, we kind of tried Black Order in a bunch of different places. Uh, Avengers, Criminals, Guardians, Webs, kind of all the best stuff. Um, so real quick, real quick. Um, did you like, kind of like have a thing? Because like, you're saying you splash Black Order in a lot of places. Did you like say, like, I will be playing like Black Order with a splash of something? Or is it just like a progression to finally end up with Black Border being in there? Um, or is it started out that way? Yeah, so I wanted to find where I obviously we knew Black Order was going to be competitive, right? Yeah. So it was just of matter, and obviously we also knew that they were not mono affiliation anymore. So it just comes down to where is the best home for them, and I mean, Spoosh and I settled on two different opinions, um, but I, I do think Webs is the best home for them. My journey was much longer than yours because you remember Syndicate was solo affiliation. And we felt like they actually could stand on their own legs alone. And I had like probably like 80 different versions of Syndicate constantly changing things. And then slowly I just sort of added like, I was like, why don't I have Corvus Proxman here? They're just stupid. And the funniest part is I learned that by playing X-Men just for fun with Corvus Proxman. I was like, what am I doing? Not just playing Corvus Proxman more often. And then it's just kind of like, well, I have Corvus Proxman. Like, why don't I just add Thanos? And then it just... Yeah, it just kind of goes like that, you know? Um, I wasn't, like... I guess the point is we weren't, like, just forcing Black Order into everything. We were just kind of letting it kind of, you know, through games, just figuring things out. You're like, these characters are good. I mean, you know what? It, it wasn't even on purpose, but one day Mike said to me, uh, yeah, invulnerability is really good. And then I just decided to count how many characters were doing minus one damage in my roster, and it was, like, all but, like, three or something. And I was like, oh like yeah it is good but like you almost like without even trying to force that stuff it just sort of like trickles into your roster you know uh especially when you're playing teams that don't want to die you find that oh like invulnerability is really good it's just like you just kind of learn things you know as you go right it's just not like on purpose always it just sort of happens is what i'm trying to say yeah it was a long long road i mean i had originally started with like a sam spam black order and then i realized that Avengers just don't really need anything Black Order offers them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they have enough depth and flexibility that they just don't really, they can just, they're probably the best mono affiliation in the game. And, and uh, then I realized that, you know, Black Order just kind of fix all the Web Warriors problems and vice versa. Um, like Research Station and Demons are awful for Web Warriors. <laughs> they're almost unplayable. Uh, so you just play Black Order at that in those times and you feel pretty good about life. Instead of get similar, Demons is a nightmare. Yep. Uh, and really don't want to play Intrusions or Meteors either. Yep. Um, yeah. Even though I think people saying pay to flips are bad for syndicate or maybe that used to be the case but i don't even think that's like relevant anymore because syndicate can bring really cool extract game and then a lot of their characters especially on like traps right they, a lot of them have four physical anyway and like even corvus has like the reality gem which just makes his dice better for rolling energy or um physical stuff or, or even scrolls and etc so yeah, for Syndicate, yeah. it really just comes down to like it, Mad Madman. They're good for the same reason like Spider Foes are good on Madman. Yeah, uh, but the other pay to flips, yeah, I could see them being a little iffy. But you have that's why you need roster flexibility. Yeah, right, and it's more like the map design, like map C. Uh, you just kind of want to play Black Order more often than you would want to play Syndicate because Syndicate's kind of slow and doesn't really want to like run into the middle and start fighting. Yeah, um, but that that was from my point of view. Uh, it's, it's definitely like playing Black Order is also just incredibly stressful. So like when you put them in your roster, it's definitely like a bigger decision than just saying I'm going to play Black Order. You yeah, know? Uh, both of us played a lot of Black. Well, I didn't play a lot, but I played one of my games Black Order, and you know, there's just that anxiety a little bit when you play them of like, all right, well, here we go. This better work. Um, like, yeah, I mean, I'll just say, like, people get mad at Corvus's dice being too good, but you realize if Corvus misses his attack, like, it could cost you the entire game. You know, like, it's kind of all he does. <laughs> it, it's like his one trick. You know, so when you roll those dice, you're just praying, like, please don't give me like double skull three shield. Please don't give me double skull three shield. <laughs> you know, because if you whiff, it's it might just be game. And it's, very, it's a little stressful to play. Uh, yeah, Black Order feels extremely stressful to play. I mean, I played them five times at LVO of my 12 games, and I was 3-2. and two. One was a massive misplay. The other one was a dicing, uh, which you kind of expect when you play 12 games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Black Order is very much like, this is my game plan. I have, I'm all in, and if anything whiffs at any moment, I'd lose the game. Um, so... It is what yeah. it is. Why, why, why then would you say Black Order is like regarded as one of the best out there? Like that's that's kind of like an interesting thing. Like they, a good question. It's you know because I mean? the better the pilot is, yeah. the less of an impact those things will make. Right. So like, you can manufacture situations where like Corvus doesn't have to roll completely perfect to win the game. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. And like well, you can, the better pilot can like position better and like set Thanos up better so that you know Thanos doesn't die and stuff like that. You know, Mike, it's kind of like the sword situation from NashCon too, right? Like you can just play against an opponent who has no idea how to play against Black Order, and it just be, becomes like a free win immediately. I yeah, mean, like if they run a character here. to the middle as their first activation, it's almost an auto loss for them. So you do get games like that. 
when you play Black Order. Yeah. The, well, the other argument is, and this is kind of, I kind of hinted at it earlier, but I mentioned earlier about how the LVO is a lot more smashy than perhaps we expected. In fact, we definitely expected. I mean, you brought like wheat cakes day one or whatever, you know, um, and I'm yeah, sure you can elaborate on that from your own point game. of view. But uh, Black Order, when when the game gets smashy, they're pretty damn good at it because they usually can go under you. Uh, so like maybe someone brings like four characters, you bring three. And even if they bring three, you're technically bringing two because of husband and wife. Um, you know, so if someone's trying to just smash you and it's, and the objective kind of works out that you have to go into smash mode, you definitely feel safe with black order. Um, and I do want to come back to this topic, but also just adding black order definitely increases complexity because good God, man, I, I know Mike and I could probably go on just on this one topic for like an hour, but. Like having to practice Black Order, knowing what objectives to play Black Order and what not to, what threats they're better at than others. Like it was a lot to learn to like have that ability to play two affiliations in the same event. And you don't have like time to think about it because like the clock is ticking, you're sitting there across from your opponent, you know, maybe you rolled prio and then it's just like a lot of decisions. Like what board side do you want? What objectives are we playing? What threat are we playing? And and then to decide what affiliation you're playing, <laughs> it's a lot. Um I don't know. What do you think about that, Micah? But going back first to uh, what I was saying, like with the smashing stuff, you know, um, and it's just a pretty good into like yeah. someone trying to out attrition you. Yeah, I mean, Black Order is just the best at attrition, right? Um, yeah, so I agree. They can just, they'll completely shut down pretty much all the mid tier Killy teams like a Brotherhood, a Suns. Uh, those are just yeah. two off the top of my head. A Force, maybe, probably. Yeah, my one I, I played them once and I won against Midnight Suns and uh Foes. Yeah, it, yeah, I killed a lot of stuff. Yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day they just roll better dice than you and they always have prio, which is when you're a nutrition team, you really want prio and you'll never get it off them. So Yeah, yeah my opponent, and maybe you saw this happen to you, but, but he's like, and you have prio again. It was like turn three or four. It's <laughs> just like how yep. does this keep happening? <laughs> Um, but yep, it was not a fan. Yeah, Black Order eats like the the narrower attrition teams for breakfast because they're the most narrow and they always have prio. So <laughs> yeah, it was sixteen threat, and he went four characters, and I went three characters with Corvus Proxima. Right. Which, yes, yeah, so it's which, virtually two. Yeah, and, si and sixteen threat is just like Black Order's sweet spot. So yeah, it was. It felt. I felt very positive about that game. Yeah, 16 is kind of like the apex of Black Order power level where like minimal gain for your opponent. Um, as the threat starts getting higher, it gets dicier because your opponent can bring more stuff and or better stuff. And you're, you're, you get a lot of diminishing returns on your threat. So. Yeah. Yeah, my opponent chose 16-2 instead of 17. And I was like pretty grateful, I believe, about that. Because <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. okay. I like the number 16 right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 17 is still not bad. You can play point down with Proxima still and feel pretty good about it if the right if it's the right setup, or you can just bring in Voodoo for Proxima and also feel pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talking about prep, did you so for Mike? Did you expect to play Black Order more or Web Warriors more? Uh, I don't think I was expecting that. Um, 
honestly, a lot of my like turn zero decision-making is on the fly. <laughs> I have a lot of like game knowledge in my head and, but sometimes I make like audibles into certain things and it obviously catches my opponents off guard. And I think that was yeah. to my benefit. It wasn't on purpose. It was just kind of the product of my list. Um, mm, that's a good point too, about how we would have people pick the wrong tactics cards into us. Uh, yeah. The advantage of having Black Order just as a mind game for your opponent. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of like Deadpool. You know, you can't mind control him because he's too crazy. Whereas, yeah. like, you can't, like, game me because I don't even know what I'm going to pick yet. <laughs> <laughs> you can't it's read my true. mind if I'm not thinking. Uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, how it would happen. So. Fair enough. Uh, what about you, Spoosh? Uh Did you have a similar thought or did you, like, have a plan? Like, I'm going to be playing Syndicate more or Black Order more. I definitely plan to play Syndicate most of it, and that's pretty much what happened. But I always was open to Black Order. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I wouldn't describe myself as much a wild card as Mike is, but uh, I would definitely not let anyone back me in a corner. And it's more the fact that, honestly, I just got lucky and I never had to play on Demons or something. But yeah. playing on something like Demons, if I felt like, all right, this is just going to become like a Smash game, then, then I'll pull the trigger. I mean, there's like, it gets even more complex because there's like, it very much depends on what my opponent's playing and like what yeah. the crises is. Because sometimes they play characters that Thanos just destroys, like Dormammu. And then it's like, okay, I can do this. Or like, I mean, even if my opponent plays demons and I get like 17 threat, I could just play webs with Corvus Proxima. I've done that before and it's quite good. Um, so it, it, there's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> the, the list point. is not easy to pilot in turn zero. And I actually really enjoyed playing corvus proxima with syndicate which is how i lost to mike but i still liked my choice and i like the i love just stealing prio in turn one uh it mm -hmm. just feels feels really good to do that and i love that they're super tanky i love that cruelty lets reality gem still do its thing um uh, you know and that gives you some tech against like odin's blessing or something i i just they're all they're good characters like and like you said mike yeah like if if it was demons and I felt like I could play Corvus Proxima, I might consider it um, for sure. So it definitely is like a on the fly kind of thing. I don't think there's like a cookie cutter. Like you just you play so many games, you kind of have like instincts for things. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I've played everything in the game at this point. Like I think I've put every character on the table more than once, and like I kind of know what my stuff, how good my stuff is, into what my opponent's doing. So like it could be as simple as like I had a game where. My opponent was playing like a Sam Spam list and he had Hulk Buster and he also had like Dormammu. And I like, I had the option, I lost Pryo and it was Sword Krikor and I could play 14 or 20. And I thought about it. I was like, well, if I pick 20, what is his best Sam Spam list? Because, you know, I don't want to really play in a Sam Spam in Black Order. And I found out he only has like Sam, like Cage, Iron Fist, and Hulk Buster as there's only Avengers. Yeah. So, like, to make 20 threat Avenger squad is, like, pretty awful for him. And I was like, oh, okay, so 20 is just the, the no-brainer here. And I did that. Um, so, like, yeah, it really comes down to, like, you know, understanding and dissecting what your opponent's doing. Um, it's it's a lot. Um, so, next thing I have, I think this will wrap up our preparation segment and go into the during. But you guys, you said, like, pretty much since the rules update, and that was, like, November. Um so just like kind of talk to people about the fact that like you pretty much been working on your list for two months, essentially um, out of those two months, how much of it was reps of the list you actually took? 
Uh, well, it was, uh, it w- there was a lot of reps for my list. I didn't, I wasn't counting, but I mean, it's obviously, it's gotta be 50 plus, but yeah. like, uh, Savage. but like, I have a lot of experience with web warriors in the past. I have a lot of experience mm. with Gwen and w- Wakanda. So like a lot of that just came naturally. It was mostly about getting up to speed with black order. Yeah. And, uh, the character choices, a lot of all my four threats kept shuffling the other eight characters were a lock from the beginning. Um, but my four threats, I settled on Voodoo and Panther, and they are definitely the slam dunk choice. But there, at the one point, there was Venom or Core Parker or Enchantress. Uh, they all didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like my thought is like just like show people how much work goes into like a crazy list like this. Um, like literally two months of shuffling it around and then what probably like maybe the last three weeks almost having it completely nailed down. Like when did you say you actually had it nailed down to what it is? Or what yeah. So I lost a game on Madman uh, a couple weeks before LVO and my four threats were core box, Peter and uh, voodoo. And mm-hmm. I really needed a front line on Madman, And then I went back to like, Oh, you know, I just owned on Madman with black Panther and Wakanda a couple seasons ago. I was like, okay, black Panther's just the choice here for Parker. And then, that was as early as a couple weeks before. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the tactics card, probably about half the tactics card shuffled. I brought in Spider Tracker probably about halfway, and that card is insane. <laughs> um, the crises took a long time to nail down. The secures were mostly fine. The extracts were, I pretty much played every extract in the game in the list at some point before I settled on what I did. Yeah. Part of it, was in, and part of why I lost to Mike is like, obviously we test for so long we played against each other and i i tried not to like ever like actively meta game against mike's roster but there definitely was games where we would play each other where it's like who's actually favored here and then mike would beat me with like tricks like running thanos with web warriors or something and then i would realize like oh i just need to go like wider in these situations so i need like widow and then i felt like i was advantaged and then mike's like now teching to like beat that advantage and he's like okay actually i don't play the thanos i do like panther and voodoo or something you know so it was a lot of like back and forth and like minor tweaks and like i know mike you were like put taking objectives in and out kind of a lot like not like you know every not every day or whatever but like it may be like at the end of a week you'd have like a realization of like oh maybe i don't actually like demons that much or something or i don't yeah. Maybe I'm actually better on infinity than I thought I was. And I, before I didn't think I was actually good at it. And like, it was like a constant, like kind of reset of the knowledge and then questioning your beliefs and then like coming to new conclusions. And it was just like a constant rotation like that. Yeah. There was like this cascade effect where I brought in, I wanted to play black order into criminals. Um, and then I had a conversation with Ulysses and he asked me, when are you playing Black Order? I'm like, criminals. And he's like, well, you should think about playing the Power Gem with Thanos. Obviously, you play Mind Gem, but then Power Gem is your second. So mm-hmm. I did that for a while and I liked it. And then some point after that, I added, you know, Voodoo and Panther back in. And then my criminals game with webs was fine and I didn't need to play Thanos. So I probably should have switched back to Space Gem to get like yeah. more Thanos output. So like, that's kind of why things shuffle a lot. <laughs> Um, so another one that's we did both take hold on we did both take the different gem because I went with power gem and Mike switched to space yeah so I had power gem on Friday and I made a couple changes after my Friday heat Um, you know I cut demons I cut power gem I brought in infinity and 
Space Jam. And obviously I cut wheat cakes because nobody was playing webs except me. <laughs> so I I don't know that there's like a definitive conclusion on what's better, power or um, the space. Uh, I definitely can see arguments for both. I stuck with power and I was perfectly fine with it. Yeah, like, so I, I just need to gem, move people around. Yeah, I think the ahead. power gem is great when you're playing Thanos into like a control style, a lot of control lists, like webs and you know criminals. They don't attack you that much. Uh, so you get your power from that to control them. Whereas like my Thanos is literally on the brink of death every game. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm like, I don't need the power gem here. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think it's a meta call is a great way of saying it. I, I yeah. don't think you can draw different conclusions than that. I think both are very viable. And if this isn't really like a Black Order podcast, so I'm going to leave it at that. But there's some cool things you can do with power since you have what's four power every turn. So that's like mind double move um or moves or you could like pay for um mothership on turn one and also like give corpus dice yep. there's a lot of like wild cute stuff you can do with four power but yeah um so one last i thought of this and that was when you guys are like preparing do you like run into basically each other's list over and over and over again or and like get a feel for your roster, or do you actually go through and say, okay, this is how I run into web warriors. This is how I run into like everything. Cause like we have so many affiliations nowadays. Like how do you go about like that type of preparations? So after we were able to identify like what the best stuff was and I built the, I put the list together and I all just like play random people sometimes in the LFG channel, sometimes in our little group. Um, we'll just, you know, play normal rules, roll prio, play whatever random crises and we'll play the game. See how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, after I start pinning down like, okay, yeah, this I need to be playing and this needs to go like the, the testing gets more specified. It's like, okay, I want to run, you know, I want to run this into suns at this threat with this, you know, secure, yeah. um, that's, that gets very close to the end of testing. Yeah. For me, it's like, once I understand the basics of what happens, the tempo of the roster, and I usually figure that out probably within a week or two. I actually just don't play like that ever again with the roster. In fact, to be honest, by then I'm all, a little burned out of the roster. <laughs> yeah. And like I move on into like Mike just said, focus. Like like I'll stare at my roster and think, okay, what do I do with these threats? What if it's like D? What if it's like map D? What if it's map B? What if it's E? You know, and then trying to think like who's sort of like the tanks in the roster and do I have enough bodies? Do I have enough speed? Because like Syndicate does actually like a lot of fast moving characters, but maybe I'm like short on fast moving characters. And then once you find a hole, then that I play into that hole on purpose to try to f- see if it's going to work or not. Yeah. And then I think syndicate's got a lot of um, cute tricks too. And a lot of it's just discovering tricks and then seeing if those tricks actually work. And if you could replicate them at multiple threat values, and yeah, it just gets more focused. And I, Mike's way more of like, a, I got to play like a million games a day than I am. I, I'm more than happy to like head sim things more because I feel like I'm not going to learn. Maybe like it's hard too because finding like a random opponent, you have to kind of convince them to want to do what you want to do, you know, um, yeah. which you, you don't always find that those people. And then at a certain point, I just don't want to play into Mike anymore because I feel like it. it's not... It's like I already kind of get the matchup and like, I don't know. It's like, it's at that point, it's more like practicing the characters than practicing yeah. any like special strategy. And 
I already feel comfortable with the character. So what, like, what am I really getting out of it at that point? And you don't want to do like an echo chamber thing where like, and in a weird way, I think it still happened anyway, is that Mike and I are both sort of playing this like non-aggressive strategy and we overemphasize our anti, like I, at one point I had the psychic shield in my list and I'm like, dude, do I like, obviously that's a good card into web wars, but like, is, am I bringing it because I keep playing Mike or am I bringing it because it's actually like a good decision? Yeah. And that's something you got to be careful of. And definitely LVO caught both Mike and I off guard a little bit because we expected a lot more like people playing web warriors and things like that than I think actually happened. So so real quick then on, on top of that is if somebody wanted to, let's say, win next year LVO, do you think it requires this much work to put into it? Or do you think somebody could like month like month of be like, I'm going to LVO and I'm going to win and throw something together and have a chance of doing it? Or do you think it absolutely requires this amount of homework and practice and, and all that to actually have a chance of winning? Uh, no, I don't think so at all. I think that there, I could have uh, very, very easily not won the event and any of the other people in the top cut could have very easily won the event. And uh, I'd be surprised if they put in more homework than I did. Um, but I don't think it's right or wrong. Uh, at the end of the day, you still need things to go your way. Yeah, you could have all the plans and strategies and then just like lose prio, pull the wrong objective into the wrong opponent and then have a character spiked at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think... So it's like, first of all, um, Mike's kind of humble in that I do, like from just watching Mike after he beat me and watching him in the cut, I personally felt like he was always like one tech ahead of his opponent. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his games were like kind of over on turn zero. Um, and I don't know if we'll get into it later in other episodes, but like, you know, there was just like one, one of his opponents in top four, I believe was, was um, ghost deer. And uh, like uh, ghost deer brought like three tactics cards who were almost like completely dead against Mike. And then, uh, he he just assumed that Mike was going to play Web Warriors, and then he didn't. <laughs> so yeah. it's like you know when you have no that's three out of five tactics cards are kind of dead cards. Yeah. Um. It was like Crew of the Milano Brace for Impact's kind of iffy, but kind of not great against. He had Spindle field dressing, yeah. and which was good, and then he had sacrifice. I think. No, was, I don't think he did. Maybe he didn't have sacrifice. He had no. Crew. He had Brace. He had field dressing. What was the other dead card? He might have had Mark for Death. Yes, he had Mark yeah. for Death, which is really nothing, basically nothing yeah. against. And he had something uh, else, but especially wasn't. on the objectives. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't. Yeah, and true. then he, he ended up going narrow, expecting the web wars, and he felt he had a good game into narrow. But like going narrow is like the last thing oh, you want to do into black. Wars. He had lethal protector because he had venom. Yeah. Now I um, part of that's not like he. Like that that's ghost you're just sort of guessing your affiliation and guessing wrong. So it's not like he it's not exactly like he was out teched exactly, but he just I don't know, wasn't like I guess is aware of what's going on. Because I'll just say like there was kind of like a, a spectators section in the mm-hmm. top table. And I literally I just said how much what's the threat? And I looked at the objectives and I just whispered to people, uh, you know, uh, he's gonna go black order, <laughs> you know. And then Mike was staring and it was a whole thing. It's like a big a whole story there. But um, yeah, you know, that's just one thing. But uh, the Hulk game, then the finals, 
I mean, like the Mike had like three or four characters that could basically make a herb fall on the ground uh, yeah. or at least get off of the herb. Yeah, so Voodoo, Black Cat, and Miles can immediately make you drop your herb and Gwen can pull you off your vessel. So the yeah, only character that size. can't stop it is Toad, but he's running my herb anyway. Which was also like the superior choice into like uh, Sam, because if Sam pushes you, you can uh, slippery back onto the herb. Yes. Point. Um, so yeah, uh, not to mention Toad's actually reasonably fast with like hop and the range to grab. Uh, to yeah, I was it. also hoping that he would attack Toad at some point and I could get a lifesaver move on it as well. Um, yeah. That never happened, but that was also an option. So it just felt like he was a turn zero, like behind a step. And that's where all the practice definitely comes in handy, you know? However, like there was definitely other people there that they just had to know their affiliation as best as possible. And they did great. I mean, basically everyone that made cut did pretty well. Right. And I, and I do agree that any of them could have won the event. Mm -hmm. And that's just the nature of these cuts. It's like people really know their thing and they do well. And then you'll kind of let the dice decide a little bit and you hope things go your way. But there was some tech there that definitely experience helps with. Also, it's worth noting, this is maybe a segue that I think Black Cat is going to get more popular in the TTS League, but she was underplayed in LVO. And I would probably add Voodoo in there somewhere as well. Yeah, I didn't play against Voodoo at all the whole event. I also dodged all the Midnight Suns players, but I didn't play against him at all. And I played against Black Cat yeah. once. So my characters were just running. No, I take that back then. You played Cat Enemy, so twice. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I was just running amok on people with, with uh, Scenario. So... <laughs> Yeah, that, that's the, like, and that's what all the testing's helpful for is finding the pillars of the game, which may be more episodes in the future. Um, but I do think Black Cat is part of that. And not seeing her as much as we did, I, I had opponents after our game just tell me I'm adding Black Cat to this roster. <laughs> I, I think so, you've heard that as well, I, uh, Mike. I, I know definitely just random people watching yeah, this thing. I know yeah, Man Mando even said. I should be playing. If any, if I learned anything from this event, it said I should be playing Black Cat more. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, so let's let's go away from preparation and talk about the actual event itself. And let's start with like your guys's way to get there. Is there anything like crazy you want to talk about with that? Um, hotel stays. Any recommendations that you could make to people when they're planning to go to an event in a different state? Uh. Well, I just booked say... the room at the hotel we were at because it's very convenient. Um, I yeah, drove I in say because that. it's moderately, it's not super far for me. Um, obviously, if you live on the East Coast, trying to drive to Vegas, that's a nightmare. Just fly. Um, but yeah, yeah I would stay at the hotel. Um, obviously, just stay very hydrated and stay fed. Um, it helps for the long days, you know. Yeah, Mike gets hotels always at the place, at the event. And maybe it's like more expensive probably is but oh my god like just waking up going down an elevator and then being at the event is uh pretty great and i, I highly recommend it and that place was so big you still had to go like 10 minutes just to get to it yeah hotels in vegas are literal indoor cities so yeah <laughs> it was like a 10 or 15 minute walk from the room to the convention center that's crazy it's huge. It was so big. And that's why they picked it because last the last LVO I went to, they were at Bailey's and they changed the venue to Rio because it was bigger. 
And then everyone was saying that at this, it, the next LVO will be at, be at even larger place. So yeah, I heard Caesars is where it's going to oh, be wow. next. Huh. So yeah, they're getting even more space. <laughs> wow, Worth crazy. noting too, there was something like five thousand attendees. Yeah, it was it was bananas. Um, so you mentioned staying hydrated and food, like you guys played, played pretty much from what, like 10 o'clock in the morning till what, like six or seven at night. I don't, yeah, I don't really know. Probably but... five, six. There's four rounds. Yeah. We would just get breakfast, grab a snack, have lots of water. Yeah. Um, I, I brought my like cyclist drink stuff that like, you just put it in water and it like, I don't know. It has electrolytes like, or something in like, it. It's basically like, like, like a fancy Gatorade, but like more professional. Drip drop, like drip drop. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even know what it's called. But my dad, he does, he does yeah. like multiple day bicycle events, and he uses that stuff. And he's the one that uh, tipped me to it. And uh, mm-hmm. I started using it at tournaments, and I noticed immediately. I was like, wow, I just like have energy all day. I'm not getting cramps. Like it just keeps you going. Yeah, not getting um, a headache is very important. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that's just hydration. So oh, cool. <laughs> Apparently, uh, I actually listened to um oh, what's his name? Uh the guy you played that played foes. Um oh, man, oh, Chewy. Chewy, yeah. I watched his uh recent episode. He said he I think day one, he didn't bring water or food. Oh that's boy. That's terrible. <laughs> he went the entire day without water or food. <laughs> Uh, he's like, maybe that helped me win. I was just angry the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. Don't do that though. That's a bad idea. All right. Uh, so let's talk about like expectations versus reality. Like, was there anything like drastically? Because I know Mike, probably a great example of this is you show up day one with a roster that you like swap it day two, some things in and out. Um, so what would you guys have to say about expectations versus reality? Oh my gosh. Uh, so <laughs> we kind of concluded that, you know, criminals, black order webs, and like maybe some kind of control style Avengers were like the best things in the game yeah. leading up to the event. And uh, <laughs> to much to my surprise, there is like one or maybe two other web warriors players. <laughs> uh, there's like a decent amount of CS players. Uh, there was a ton of Avengers, but they weren't playing the style I thought was best. There's a lot of, you know, Steve Rogers, a lot of Hulk, a lot of Hulk Buster. Just big beaters. Tons of Midnight Suns, tons of, uh, you know, beater Avengers. Weirdly, not that many Brotherhood. Um, No, they didn't have their new stuff yet. So I think people were kind of down on them. Yeah. 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 Over over the two days, there's a total of seven Web Warriors. Guardians, too. There's a good amount of guardians. Yeah, there's just yeah. so many people trying to murder your face off, and um, obviously, I had some answers to deal with uh, control lists, but yeah. I mean, I could deal with attrition too. Like we tested that, so <laughs> just not not what I was expecting. You got anything to add to that, Spoosh? Not really. It, it, I just agreed. We kind of covered a little bit of this here and there throughout the <laughs> yeah. earlier discussion, so. Um, all right, what about um, stuff that you learned throughout the event as far as like tactics that aren't typically thought of? I know Spoosh, you mentioned like essentially mind tricks earlier. Um, <laughs> um, Mike pulling a fast one on, was it Hyper Viper in the final? 
uh, or, no, or the was, ghost. It was, it was ghost deer. It was ghost deer in the semi. Yeah. yeah, we can tell that story. It's a good one. Um, Go for so it. I was, uh, I didn't make cut by one placing on Friday, and I went out to dinner with Ghost Deer, Mando, and Chewy, and I was, I think Nate had won. Uh, he had beat some Black Order and with his Guardians, and I was just like, yeah, dude, I'd never play Black Order or Guardians. Like Guardians were like the best thing into Black Order before the buffs. Just nobody played them, but now like they're buffed, Black Order's nerfed, like it's a slam dunk for Guardians. I kind of said something along the lines of that, and then uh, fast forward to our game on Sunday, and uh, I was he picked 16 thread. It was like Researcher and Extremists. Researcher was the one extract I didn't want to pull for him. Of course I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so he picked 16, and uh, I was honestly considering playing a Web Warriors list. Their um, squad, I was trying to put it together in my head, and I was like, yeah, this just does not work. It's just, I have no front line. I'm running Panther into a bunch of energy attackers. Like, this just seems terrible. I was like, screw it. This is why I brought Black Order. We're not pivoting now. We're <laughs> slam dunking it. Um, and that's what happened. There was also, um, I didn't say this at the event, but I was taking a little bit to put together my squads in turn zero. And I was just staring at people's paper, their lists. And Nate was, Nate had, he was like, take your time, you know, uh, no, no rush. And Nate started pulling out his little uh, dice trackers for his health and power. And I had noticed he pulled out like four or five of them. And I was like, oh, okay. So I guess. He's not going as wide as possible. <laughs> and yeah. I can, uh, I was like, well, he loves Venom into both of my affiliations and he has Star Lord. So there's seven points. We have 16. That leaves nine left. What's like the best nine threat I can put together in his list? And I was like, okay, I can beat this with Black Order. So that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm well, sorry, Nate. Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> keep your stuff hidden better next time. So would you recommend to people uh, don't start pulling anything out until your <laughs> opponents have decided they're their list and start pulling their own stuff out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I purposely keep my stuff very hidden until my opponent's ready to reveal, uh, just because I don't want any gaming stuff going it, on. Yeah. We that. both have the a case and I tend to like either keep everything behind the a case cause all our minis are in there anyway. So I kind of like keep the sleeves behind. I'll, I'll do anything I can to make sure they can't get any clue as to what I'm about to play. Yeah. That's that's funny. Uh, do you have any other like mind games or anything like little tactics that you guys found out about or used during this trip? Uh, I mean, a lot of the mind games were just like my list being hard to read. Um, yeah, I didn't do anything special. Like my, I didn't like fudge the order of my characters to like obfuscate my affiliations or anything like that on the on the sheet. You know, I just put it as is. And but a lot of people did. You know, like I said, I put it together on the fly for my games and yeah it's like i have more experience with my list doing that so what hope does my opponent have you know so it's it can be pretty hard for them yeah, yeah I got nothing. just okay no just play <laughs> <laughs> just, just play the game um, i will say i did mention this but it's kind of interesting all my opponents went three and one on my before i got to cut except for one went two and two but then after our game, he told me he already was in cut. So basically, um, I, I'm so glad I didn't know this until after the event because I probably would have had like slightly more stress on myself. Just, just oh man, I'm playing all these good players. But um, I did find that f- fascinating. It's, it's like basically all my opponents made cut. One one guy didn't, 
because he just didn't make he was like cut like a couple three and ones just didn't make it so um i, I know my the the guy i played who was brotherhood he didn't make cut um and then the guy i beat in the final round we just both made cut it was syndicate mirror um but yeah uh i was pretty proud of that and then my fine tradition of losing to finalists uh was maintained with mike because uh, in season six, I lost in Swiss to Mike, who's on, uh, who made the finals. And then in the actual cut, I lost to Morgan, who won the whole thing. So then when I lost to Mike, I was like, well, now he just has to win the event and I keep my streak alive. So <laughs> yep. I was pretty happy to see Mike win for many reasons, but one of them was to make me look better. So, um, but yeah, it was just a really interesting uh, sort of tidbit there. Awesome. Uh, all right. So, what about after? You guys have any hindsight about the event, like stuff that you would change or do differently? Um, any recommendations for going to a big event like this? Because this is like one of the largest events for MCP to date. Um, I don't think it is the lar- Is it the largest, or is it just up? It's up no, there at I, least. Well, no, I don't think Europe's has something pretty damn big. The London yeah. or UK, they they get some big events together very easily. Um, yeah, I mean, it helps being in a small country where everything's yeah. like very dense and you have public transportation. And you don't have massive swaths of nothing in your country. Yeah, I mean, through. I had to fly for like four hours to get to this event. It was no yeah. easy task. Yeah. Um, my travel yeah. was kind of brutal. If the U.S. was like as dense as, you know, the U.K., then I'm sure we would put bigger numbers up. But that's just that's the nature fair. of the U.S. being massive. <laughs> yeah, so what about uh, hindsight? You guys have anything? Well, my hindsight's so easy. I should have brought advanced R and D. I I said I made a comment in our testing group that I'm taking R and D out of my roster, and I know I will find out I re- that I'm going to regret it. But you know, I I didn't want to. I didn't want to like bring it and then not feel confident in it. But of course, as fate would have it, um, with cubes, I really needed the ability to steal um, with Pryo on turn one, turn two. And because I didn't have R&D, I couldn't do that. And it probably cost me the game because Syndicate really doesn't play from behind very well. And um, I'm not even sure I, I'd even play cubes anymore. But unfortunately, the characters that were legal at the time uh, kind of forced me to play cubes. And cubes creates like a imbalance in the threat, like the amount of VPs each person's scoring. So if I don't have the initiative and I can't immediately like take a lead then i will lose and of course mike's a good player he's playing a strong list that is very controlling and once he has a lead he doesn't want to give it up so and his team's very good at that so it's just a great learning experience for me in that bring advanced r&d and uh, i learned my lesson which is a funny reminder of me teasing the crap out of you for not bringing advanced r&d with your foes roster yeah. and then look at me looking like a big dummy uh not bringing advanced r&d um, for me, I made a few changes after Friday heat. I swapped demons for infinity. Um, that was because I realized that I, I didn't have infinity originally because I was afraid of criminals dominating me on it. And uh, after I brought in Panther and Voodoo, I can beat them. So I just got rid of demons uh, for that. It plays better to my strengths. Uh, I cut out wheat cakes because nobody's playing web warriors. So I didn't have any mirrors to worry about. And I cut the power gem for the space gem for the reasons we talked about earlier. Um, other than that, no, everything, everything uh, was 
honestly perfect. And I feel like the list has everything I would ever want. Yeah, there's one thing I'd like to tell um, aspiring syndicate players. I might as well sort of cat out of the bag kind of thing. Um, and one of the reasons I didn't bring advanced R&D is uh, if you play Infinity and you move your black cat onto the opposing Infinity point, you get an extra power on turn two, which would be three power. And then you're standing next to your opponent who's holding something. You could just run away on turn two with it. So I, I, most people don't actually think about this. I mean, most people don't even bring Black Cat, apparently. But um, Mike was fully aware of this. So he had set up his board state so that if I moved my cat on his on my left side, uh, he could one move Panther, knock my cat off the point, which would then screw up the whole strategy. And I was very, I know he was very aware of this and I was very aware that he could do this and it changed everything I was doing about with my board state. Yeah. But I feel like if I was playing against literally anyone else in that room, they wouldn't have known. The other thing Mike was doing and the terrain kind of messed me up because that's how terrain is, is I couldn't get my characters uh, on the other side of the table without Mike blocking it because the terrain was blocking some of the infinity point. And then Mike knew to block the other part so that I couldn't do the cat run. Because um, if you, you can get very cute with it and actually have cat go left or right based on your positioning on the board. But uh, if you really want it to work, you kind of have to commit. Because if you don't commit, then you allow the terrain and an opponent to block it. And unfortunately, Mike is smart enough to block it. And then if I committed, then Mike could just like move his panther and like mess me up anyway. So Mike is a smart guy and he knows the problem when you have a testing partner is he knows all your tricks. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying like I it, I have all kinds of tech like this that unfortunately Mike was fully aware of. Um, but good for people listening to try on their own uh, these kind of things. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I played so many games into Mark playing criminals, you playing criminals. Cookie was talking about this. So like, and I was also very aware of how to beat it when foes tried to dive you. Um, I like had measured in TTS where I need to place my guys to block like lizard diving your back madman. So try to emulate that as best as possible. Okay. Uh, is anything else you guys want to talk about or hit on? You should mention it was an awesome event and like it was run well and the train was pretty awesome. I'd actually say, in my opinion, it was almost like slightly too thick, which if you play like Magneto, <laughs> I felt like every board was amazing. Um, I wish that all the terrain was marked with numbers underneath, but for some reason it wasn't. Uh, and I wish every mat had the markers on it, but yeah. most did. Um, so this is nitpicking because this is just my personality. I can't help it. But uh, when the terrain was marked, it was nice and clean. I loved it. And I mean, this is an event with a lot of people. And for, for them to have so many mats marked for objectives and have such great terrain. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. And I definitely uh, was vocal about like, make sure all the mats have markers in the future. But, you know, I'm just one voice. Uh, but yeah, also we used, um, game clocks, which nobody even came close to timing out. Uh, and mm. Mike and I, we, our game was with the clock and half the time I'm reminding him to hit the button. He's reminding me to hit the button. You know, we're, we're, we're 
we're both not super experienced using the clock, but I, I love the clock idea and I definitely want them to do that going forward. I would even be against game clocks just in every round, honestly, because the, 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 it's an NPE when you lose to time. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. Yeah, so Tyson is, he really, Mark has said he's like the goat of TOing, and I, I agree at this point. I've been to two of his events. They're just fantastically run. Everything's on time. The The quality of life is very, very high. Um, there's not, not not many, if any, bad things to say about it. The guy works his ass off. Um, it's a lot to like. Uh, game clocks, yeah, I have no issues playing on clock. I think it's... It's good for both players. It keeps people honest. There's no, you know, lose to slow play. You don't need a judge to come over and make like an arbitrary, like subjective call about anything. Like it's, it's just works. So awesome. Yeah. I'd like clocks. to say, I'd like to say, um, big shout out to Tyson and, uh, I believe Omnis helped him out along the way too. So shout out to those guys for, I know Omnis did great. Yeah. yeah, Omnis Omnis did a fantastic job running the event for Tyson, and, and James did a great job being like a you know right hand man for Omnis and judge calls and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, they made us write our lists out, even though they're on the the program Longshanks, and I kind of rushed it. I have like the worst handwriting in the world because I haven't written anything in like fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I just spaced out and forgot to put my gems. In my roster, and then like as soon as the round started, I looked at my list and I was like, "Wait a minute!" Like, <laughs> Corvus needs his reality gem. Uh, oh, judge! And then they luckily because like nothing had actually happened or started, or I haven't even got to my table. Like they fixed it for me. Yeah, but I was sweating that because it's just like, please. Like I even said to him, I was like, listen, man, I'll, I'll even give you no gems on Thanos, but if you don't give me reality gem on Corvus, there's going to be problems. <laughs> like, like, come on, man, that thing's stapled. Um, and that's part of the problem with the new rules is like my brain. I just do not picture Corvus as a character without his reality gem. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, part of it is just, I just rushed. Like we got there with like 15 minutes, but they made us fill out our, our list twice and I was just cruising through writing, you know, and I just forgot um but that was just like a little hiccup and everyone was very gracious about helping me out and fixing it but yeah I, I just don't know why we write things down anymore yeah i mean they they admit it was old school right i i don't i i don't know why either but that's just what that's what we did so. yeah because your opponent can look in longshanks at your roster as well so yeah I wish we had better programs on our phones. Like it's, I, I love what Mark does for the program, but I have an iPhone and it doesn't easily function for me. So it's <laughs> unfortunate that we the community hasn't created like an iPhone compatible uh, like list builder. But it's a whole different subject. All right. Well, I think that's gonna wrap us up. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our opinions. Please note, as time continues, some information may become outdated, but we will do our best to refresh some of the more prevalent episodes to be current. Be sure to check out Across the Bifrost Nexus, where you can find all of your MCP content. And a big thank you to Discount Games Inc. and Blackgate Games, where you can find all of your MCP needs. And then a huge thank you to Atomic Mass Games for developing a game we all enjoy and love. We'll see you next time in the Danger Room. 